You are now listening to the Life in Football podcast. Check out the new website, lifeinfootball.com. Once again, the website is lifeinfootball.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Life in Football podcast, baby. I'm your host, Mike B. And this your co-host, Cole Moore. You know we loving life and enjoying football. You guys, we got an amazing episode. We got Miss Rachel Barbo, and she's changing the narrative. Y'all gotta hear how she inspires. It's just you can hear it in the in the podcast how she's she's into it. So I know if we saw it in person or on Zoom, man, she going all the way in, letting us know that we are kings and queens, and you have the mindset to change everything going forward. Listen, y'all gotta check this podcast out. She's amazing. Man, I'm telling y'all from the way Miss Rachel speaks, man, she's gonna be a senator or somebody doing some real big things in the future. But guess what? She's doing major things right now. She once was a sports broadcaster, and she was a Heisman voter, and she's a speaker, and she's an author. I'm telling y'all, this lady is special, and she's very vital in the community of sports. I'm telling y'all, you need to get on board with her. If you got a football program, um, baseball, chili, whatever, she can come in and it'll be something great to have for us assisting you guys with helping you to be the best that you can be, but really improving your student athletes to increase their level of expectation by changing their narrative. Now, I'm telling y'all, stick around. Kick your feet up, lean back, way back in the chair, and listen to this great interview that's coming up next with me, Mike Big, my co-host Cmo, and Miss Rachel Barbo. How you doing, Miss Rachel? I am doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No problem. It's a blessing to have you on. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Now, I want to just jump right out the gate. Like, when did you know that? Well, you probably always knew, but when was the moment it hit you? Like, I need to shed my positive light on the world. They they just need to have a whole new view of how they look at things. Like, when did you know that that was your path? That's such a good question. You know, my middle name is Joy. Um, and my mom and my uncle named me that. And so maybe they knew something that I didn't know. Um, uh, but, you know, that's kind of always been, you know, I've had joy in my bones, joy in my heart. And, and so, um, and I've always been an open book. I've always said what's happened to me um, and what I've gone through, and, and we say it in the movement, and I'm changing the narrative, and we'll talk about it later, I'm sure. But we say it in the movement, you know, you, your pain is not for you. And if you're bold enough to talk about it, if you're brave enough to talk about it, take off your mask, there's somebody in your your path that needs to hear what you have to say and what you've been through. And so, you know, I, I guess it would start, I would say at birth, <laughs> um, at conception, because it's my middle name, but but all, all, always as well having this idea and this belief that I'm going to share my story um, and somebody hopefully is going to be able to take something from it. Well, you definitely have. And we truly have been taken from it. When, when did you at first school or college and let them speak on it about the kings and queens? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the first one was um, August of 2016, and that was FSU. And, you know, I created this, I created this curriculum. I'm changing the narrative in response to, if you guys remember the summer of 2016, it was a really dark time around college athletics. Um, we were on the heels of Penn State. Baylor was just coming out. There was guys getting in yep. trouble across the country for domestic mm. violence, sexual violence. And and so it, it was one of those deals where people were saying, oh, football players aren't nothing but a bunch of blank and fill in the blank. And mm. that made me really angry, you know, because I knew that there were amazing guys that were coaching, that were playing, and we were letting, you know, a couple of bad apples steal the headlines. And so mm-hmm. I created this curriculum, very simple. It started as who are you away from the football field, or the baseball field or the track, you know. Uh, what makes your heart beat faster? What were you born for? You weren't born just to play sports. It's a platform in which you can change the world. It's not your purpose. And uh, I thought I was going to take it into high schools, and I have since. But my friend, Dr. Kevin Elko, a famous sports psychologist, said, hey, he called me. I'll never forget. I was in Jackson Hole with my family vacationing. He said, Jimbo Fisher wants you at FSU. And I mean, little did I know that, you know, four years later, we'd be 40 schools in, stops to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Border Patrol, um, now working with, con- uh, you know, major conferences. It's it's really been an amazing ride. So God just been Ooh. blessing you just to really change how people see themselves, mm-hmm. how they dream too as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I I say to people, I've done a lot of really neat things in my life, you know, including, you know, voting for the Heisman, hosting the first ever college football playoff game and the four that came after that and being the first female host on Sirius XM on their college. A thing that can to watching to, to telling somebody that they were born for more and watching their soul rise up to it. I mean, there is there is magic and destiny and fate. And miracles, like, all wrapped up into one. When you watch a, a player get it, um, when you watch a coach get it, I remember one young man, it's been said to me a bunch, but one young man said, you know, Miss Rachel, where I come from, you know, nobody ever tells you you're good for anything other than football. And, you know, he had tears in his eyes. He was about to cry. And then I started crying. And he said, thank you for reminding me that I have worth outside of football. And I'll never forget that, guys. And see, we definitely need that as as young yep. men and young women as well, because sometimes from coming from a place where your only option, well, you feel like your only option is sports. And then when you if something happens and you get injured, then what? Then. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then guess what that leads to, guys? And it's such a great topic that you as a man, you as men would would ask me about this because. We, we talk about this in the movement. It's a whole identity thing. So if you are conditioned, if your grandma and grandpa and your mom and your aunt and everybody's telling you, oh, baby, you're so, you know, you're so awesome. You hit so hard. You tackle so well. They don't really know. They, they don't, I don't think they understand a lot of times. They love you. They're your family. But, but if they keep reinforcing that's your worth, right? Not that you're smart mm-hmm. or you're talented or you can... You can do anything you want to do, baby. If you want to be a, you want to be a, you know, a scientist, you want to be a football coach or whatever it is. Right. So then a player gets injured. Okay. And then it's Mm. either season ending or maybe it's even career ending. And that's why we have so many players. Let's just talk about the NFL. So many players when, you know, they did a study a couple of years back, like, 
the number of players that that um, you know former NFL players ended up drug addicted, broke, uh, or bankrupt, right? And so, um, mm-hmm. and so I, I think there's a strong correlation between or divorce. I think was the other thing. I think the other, there's a strong correlation between identity. When your whole life you believe that your identity is tied to how fast you can run, how hard you can hit, how tight you can throw a spiral, and that ends right then who are you right you left going who the hell am i and then let's let's get on top of that and go crabs in the bucket you've been the golden boy you go back to your neighborhood you're now injured or you're not playing ball or you don't go to the next level then you got people around you that have never loved you right that are smiling to your face and will throw daggers in your back and then you know i've talked to a number of my athletes and say hey listen you know rachel there was a guy on my football team that was like a leader and he graduated and he did all this and He's, you know, he didn't make it to the NFL and he went back and within a year he's in jail for armed robbery. You get around, you get around people. There are some people, you know, that, that just don't have your best interest at heart. So for me, let's, let's take all that and put a bow on it. For me, I'm not saying you can't want to go to the NFL. I'm not saying you can't want to go and be a coach. I'm not saying you can't have dreams and hopes. I want those, but I want to know what else sets your soul on fire. I want to know what it is that that makes your heart beat faster right and let's figure that out so we either have a plan b or we can integrate them together or there's a thought you know beyond football if it's not coaching i'm not telling you not to dream about football or baseball or whatever it is but i'm just telling you there is more yeah and see that's what we don't hear as much because most of the time everyone telling you don't well not really but once you get into it Hey, you don't need no plan B. Just, no. just football gonna work out. But you actually do need to know how to to manage money. Yes. No matter if you're getting thirty thousand a year to a million dollars a year, or how to be a good yes. Because some most most not all, but a lot of players don't even have fathers in the house, or grow up with their granddaddies, or just grow up with grandma yep. and mama. Yep. So, you, you don't really have that male setting. And then sometimes if you do have them, they might not be showing you the right thing. They showing you, hey, well, man, I'm finna be a player. Let yeah, me teach exactly. you how to be a player. Like how, how many girls exactly. you kiss today like at school? So it puts a, the, a wrong mindset in a young man's head instead of, hey, young man, you smart. Yes. Yeah, Um, what do you want to be in the future outside yes. of football? What you going to Because let's say at 30, it ends. Or 25 to 30 or maybe 32 it ends. You got a whole nother yes. life. A whole nother life to live. And you got to figure out a way how, like you said, how are you going to make money? Then your only way you're going to really be doing what you want to do instead of spending 40 hours a yep. week. Because you're going to spend more money at your job, more time at your job than you actually spending with your family. Amen. So Amen. that job better be something you truly love. And I love, I'm, I'm glad you like you said, change the narrative because with you, they getting a whole well, new ball and game. T- two things that you said. One, I, I tell people, I don't want you to have a J-O-B. I want you to discover something that, that makes you happy, that you lay your mm-hmm. head on the pillow at night and you are proud of what you've done, right? And I'm not saying, you know, you ain't, you're proud if you were, you know, the janitor or whatever it is. Like, I want you to have pride in whatever it is you do. But if we can find and, and, and integrate and help you. You talk about those entrepreneurial skills or the financial skills, mm-hmm. but but here's the big one that I've learned. So it started, the movement started as purpose, passion, platform, 
Um, my own experience with domestic violence. I used to be very fame hungry. In meeting a, a former football player that uh, played with the Patriots and the Eagles named Kevin Turner, who got struck down mm. with ALS, and him teaching me the greatest secret to life, and that is it's not about you. So a lot of things happen, but what it turned into, and you just hit on it, I call it good love for yourself and for others. And what I get, mm-hmm. what I get really riled up about, I'm a spicy Latina. And so what I, what, I, <laughs> what I get really mad about is when people say, oh, he should know better. Oh, he should, he, should, he should know not to do that. Well, kind sir or ma'am, do you know what he saw growing up? Do you know if he had dad or mom in the house? Do you know if mom hit dad? Do you know if dad hit mom? Do you know if somebody had a substance abuse or addiction? Do you know if their parents hit them so they parented the way their parents hit them, you know, parented? And so you don't know. So I go in and we, I teach dating. Ain't nobody teaching these, these young men and young ladies dating if they're not getting it at home. And some aren't. So we teach dating and respecting women. When I'm talking to men, I speak to queens too. We make it fun. It's not like, oh, what's next? You know, we, we laugh. I, I'll call them up. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, you ever been ghosted? Feels like crap, you know? And then we, we talk about what does it mean to like, just be up front and say, hey, boo, I had a really nice time, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, it's, you know, just as friends, right? Instead of not calling somebody. So mm-hmm. we make it fun. We teach them about love. And then most importantly for men, this is so important because a lot of men, this is some deep stuff right here, but uh, I, I say, I ain't made it, I ain't mad at your granddaddy. I ain't mad at your granddaddy's 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 granddaddy. But a lot of men have been taught subconsciously and it's been passed down in their family that to be masculine, it means to stuff it up, man up, shut up, put some dirt on it and keep moving. And because of that, guys, We have a generation of men, older and younger, who think that it's not masculine to say they're hurting. It's not masculine to say they don't know how to deal with the problem. They don't know how to handle their girlfriend or what's going on here or something with their family. They're mad because their their daddy's never been around. Now he wants to come to games. And, you know, thousands of of different situations that I've been in with these because they're like family to me. So we, Mm -hmm. we I talk to them about good love right? Like good love for yourself and others. So that includes mental health, self-care saying you have never been stronger that when you say, I don't have tools in my toolbox to be able to handle this. Can you help me? There's nothing stronger than asking for help. There's nothing stronger than saying to your coach or to a therapist, I need some help here. Suffering in silence leads to isolation. It's mental health awareness month in May. It leads to isolation. And I know myself when you isolate, and you have one trigger thing happen to you and you isolate, you're that much more susceptible to depression, anxiety, suicidal ideations. And so, you know, my whole big thing is, is teaching young men and young women and older men and women, kings and queens, about what good love for yourself means, forgiveness, being able to be accountable, be able to look in the mirror and be proud of the person that's staring back at you. And then how to have that same good love and respect for other people. Well, I got a question for us. <laughs> I know you was a Heisman voter, so we got to flip the uh, page a little bit. <laughs> In 2015, I read that um, when I was looking up information on you. Now, can you please tell me, <laughs> since you went to Florida, you had, I don't know what period was the, the visit to Florida State, mm-hmm. but can you please tell me that you gave Dalvin Cook a few extra points? <laughs> In that now, for y'all who don't know that, that was the year 2015. Derrick Henry, he won the Heisman Trophy that year. Mm-hmm. But 
I had a feeling that Chris Christian McCaffrey could have won it, but I was hoping Dalvin Cook could have at least been in the top three. Did you give Dalvin Cook like <laughs> did, what kind of grade did you give him? Was he one, two, three, or four? You are funny, first of all. Second of all, uh, I've had many, many people ask me that, and I don't ever reveal um, my Heisman votes. I, I, I just, I just don't. Um, but I will tell you, uh, I didn't. I don't think I got mine to 2016, so I don't think I was voting. Uh, I was voting them, but I remember Dalvin from my talks, and I remember Dalvin. We had a kind of a players-only meeting, and and uh, he jumped, he jumped some seats and stood up and held people accountable. And um, really proud of that young man. And so, um, want the best things for him, as I do all my kings and queens across the country. But yeah, I mean, listen, voting for the Heisman, being a female, being one of whatever like 860. I don't know how many it is. Like, there's you know not that many people in the country. And the world to vote for the Heisman and to be one of them was was a definitely a dream come true. I know this may seem, you know, I guess petty to other people, mm-hmm. but this this is amazing to me just to be talking to somebody who actually vote for the Heisman. This is something I've been watching since I was a young kid. Yeah. The Heisman Trophy um awards presentation and you know, it's just amazing that you had a part now, you know, in you know, helping to choose one of the people who that, you know, was the win the award. And I want to also, you know, speak on your career for us and, you know, in media and other things like that, you know, how did you just seek out to be someone involved in the media and like, like what attracted you to sports? Yeah. So first of all, I want to say I lived the same way. I lived my life the same way. And that is a constant sense of awe and wonder and like childlike wonder. And I think the moment things are like, oh, yeah, that's old hat. Oh, yeah, it's no big deal. Is the moment we get like that, then what are we doing? Like, like, I don't know. Like, I thank God every day for flowers in my yard and wind blowing through the trees and the smile of a child and all these things I've gotten to do. And so, yeah, I thought I was going to do general assignment reporting. Um, I was going to do some undercover work, do some work for the Southern Poverty Law Center. Um, and I, you know, I, I recognized, I was like, man, this stuff, you know, this, I'm so such a feeling person that I think I would not be able to, to function. And around that time I got sent out at the campus TV station at Auburn to, uh, to cover a baseball game. And I remember I it stuck the microphone in the guy's face and I was like scared, you know, shaking so bad. My hands, hands were shaking. My eyeballs were shaking. I was sweating. But I remember leaving there and having an aha moment going, you've always loved sports. You had two brothers that played baseball, basketball, archery, tennis, BMX, bike racing, swimming, like all over. Right. And you've always loved it. You've never been good at sports yourself. I mean, I think like, church volleyball was the was the best that, you know, I got. But you always been a great spectator. And so I put two and two together and became a sports reporter. And um, that was in my junior year. And I never, ever looked back. I, I love hearing that, and I appreciate you coming on today. Before you leave us, uh, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to promote uh, anything you may have going on uh, coming up in the future. We know with the pandemic going on right now, and um, it may be a little rough, but go ahead and just um, give the people how they can reach mm-hmm. you and things you may have going on. In yeah, the absolutely. Thank you so much for that. So um, the first thing, it's kind of a couple of different things I do. One, you know, I make in-person visits, which all of those have been switched to the fall. 
Um, but what I've been doing now is we quickly pivoted and I'm changing the narrative. I retired from, from sports casting last fall to do this full time because I just believe in it so much and it needs my full attention. But um, what I do, what I have been doing since the pandemic is meeting people where they are. I've done Zooms with Minnesota, FIU, LSU, UNLV coming up this week, um, SMSU. So just really the problems that we talk about um, and, and I'm changing the narrative, haven't gone away with the pandemic. So I've been meeting them where they are right now. So there's that. I also created, I took six months and created an online program. So for anybody out there who's a high school coach or a high school administrator, I made my entire I'm changing the narrative program into an online program, 19 chapters, 18 page workbook. You can go through it with your team. It talks about everything from bullying, masculinity, dating, kindness, all of it. And, um, and so for more information on that, you can go to train to be a king.com. That's train to be a king.com. And then the website is I'm, I am changing the narrative.org. And I'm on socials at Rachel Barbeau and I love to make new friends. So thank you guys for having me on. Thank you. And, um, like she said, if y'all need to get in contact with her, it's rachelbarbo.com. And I'm telling y'all, this is somebody you need to have come to your program. And it's going to be very vital and great information that everybody needs to hear, from coaches to players to just regular students. And I want to thank her again for coming on. And I'm telling y'all, this is very special to me and my co-host to have women out here involved in sports and speaking positive things out here. So, you know, we love it. We thank you, Miss Rachel, so much. And I'm telling y'all, make sure y'all check her out. She's changing the narrative, and she's helping everybody else to change the narrative. So I'm going to leave y'all like I always leave y'all. Keep your head up and not down, or else you'll fall to the ground. This is Life of Football Podcast. Catch you next time.